Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me tonight to Philippians 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you ever in your Christian walk ever gotten to a place where you just thought, I, I'm, just, I'm just not getting this. I'm just, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to get where God wants me to go. I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if I can ever get myself all together. I can't. Just telling yourself. Of course, that's the enemy yapping in your ear. But I, there's a good verse for you, Philippians 1, verse 6. It says, being confident. What does it mean, being confident? It means that you're absolutely sure of this very thing, that he, which began a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So now, in the Amplified of that, it says, I am convinced, I am sure of this very thing, that he, who is that he? God, who began a good work in you. When did he begin that good work? The day you got born again. He began it. Yes. He who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will perform it. He will, that should take some of the pressure off of you. He will perform it. The tailor translation of that says, whoops, I'm a little ringy here. Uh, the Taylor translation says, will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. I love that. I'm convinced, I'm sure, that he will keep right on helping you grow in grace until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus returns. I mean, when you stop and you look at that, he will help you keep on growing. The, the, the phrase, his task, you know, we're put here not just for our own amusement. We're not here just to put here just for our own, you know, plans. We're put here with a purpose. We're put here with a plan. Actually, if the truth were told, and we will tell it, God has a plan for your life from the very moment you were conceived. And actually, you can go back before that. And it says he knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. From the very, from the foundation of the earth, God knew that one day you would come to live on this planet. He knew that he had a plan for you before you were millennial, before you were even thought of. He had a plan. He had a purpose. And his plan was set in motion really the day you were born. Now, you know, we know that you, know, you can't go out and, and, and do great exploits for God when you're six months old. And so we have to grow in those things. We have to grow naturally. We have to grow up some. We have to mature in some things. But you know what? Even as a young child, the plan of God begins to work. Yeah. 
you know, I look back at I look back at my life and 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 I see God's hand on me when I was from the day from the day I was born. Actually, very young. My, my father was in the ministry from the time I was a baby until I was thirteen. And and I look at all the times and all the things I did and all the all the preparation that that was put in me from the time I was a little kid. Now, I, I you know, at some point in my life, I was not very thrilled about it. You know, but, um, you know, I, I look back now and I see that I was in training for the ministry since I was a baby. It didn't look like it. There were times when I was like, you know, why do I have to go sweep the church out? Well, why do I have to do this? Well, there's this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this play, we're going to do this skit, and nobody else wants to do it, so you get to do it. I'm going, why do I have to do that? You know, but God was putting something in me at the time. And I just kind of look, you know, at every, every part, you know, of my life and just see where in spite of all the shortcomings I thought I had, in spite of all the limitations I thought I had, naturally speaking, in spite of all the things that I didn't like, in spite of all the things I didn't want, in spite of all the things that I never thought I could do so I wouldn't even entertain those thoughts, in spite of all that, God had a plan. It's not just for me. It's for you. I see children around here. And I, I'm, I'm thinking right now of Walker. If you ask him what he's going to be when he grows up, he's going to be a preacher. I have no doubt he will be. He's confessing it over himself daily. <laughs> but I believe I see his heart already. I believe I see the heart of God working on the inside of him. I have no doubt he'll be exactly that. But I also see that God's working on these other children that are around here. I see where God's working in you. Some of us come to term with, terms with that later in life. And fortunately, some of our children find it sooner in life. And uh, it all boils down to the fact that God's at work in you. Now, we all know, you know, there, that we, we have to cooperate with the plan of God. We all have to get into a place where we, we recognize that God's at work in our lives, and we have to cooperate with him. John 6, 29 says, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Jesus came for a purpose. He came for a purpose to make you and me like him. He came to share the love of God with this world. That's what we're to do, share the love of God with this world. Jeremiah 29, 11. What am I doing wrong here, Jordy? Anything? Nothing. Okay. Well, I'll let you work it out. Jeremiah 29, you, you know this verse really well. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I mean, that future and that hope, is, as far as God's concerned, is locked in already. Ephesians 1.4, he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, faithful is he that calls you. Faithful, faithful is he. Faithful to do what? Faithful to do exactly what he said he would do. Faithful to start a work and to complete a work in you. And what have we been called to do? We've been called to do all kinds of things. Well, Romans 1, 7 and 1 Corinthians 1, 2 both says that we're called to be saints. And people look at that word saint sometimes. They, oh, you think you're just such a, so good. Well, a saint is not somebody who does everything perfectly. 
It's not somebody who does everything right. It's just a saint. It's somebody who is known of God, born again, born again. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They are called by God. They're one of God's very own children. That's who the saint is. We're all called to be saints. Romans 8, 28 says we've been called according to his purpose. Some people will live and die and never know what God's purpose for their life is. We'll never figure it out for a lot of reasons. Sometimes they're not interested. There is a world dying and going to hell because they're not interested in what God has called them to do. They're not interested in finding out that God has a plan for them. You know, the devil's got a plan for you too. And sometimes they get so tied up in the devil's plan for their life that they never recognize that God's got something different. God's got something better. He's got something beyond imagination ready and waiting for them. He's called us. Oh, now this one is, I, I love this one. First Peter 2, 9. He's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. It says, he's called us into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians says that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. You know, you, you talk to people about being called out. They almost always think in terms of, of ministry, like five-fold ministry. No, you're all called into the ministry. You might not be called into one of the five-fold ministries, you know, evangel- prophet, uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. You might be called into that, but you're called into the ministry. Every single one of you are called into that ministry, that ministry of reconciliation, to let people go out and to let to go out and to let them know that Jesus came and He died for them, that He He went to the cross, that He was buried, He was after He was crucified, and He laid in that tomb and 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 suffered the penalty for you and me. And after three days, when God said that's enough, He reached down into hell and tore the place wide open and brought Him forth. And when He brought Him forth, He brought us forth. We need to tell people that. They've been brought out of that darkness and translated into a kingdom of light. No more to be placed in a, in a, in a, in a, in a hole, in, into some kind of despair, into some kind of darkness, into some kind of abyss, but to brought, brought out from the abyss and translated to a place where we're seated far above principalities and powers and seated with might and dominion in our hands at the right hand of the Father, seated with him, with Jesus, with him on high, seated with him. Do you know what that means to be seated with him? Not seated next to him. Not like, okay, I got the seat next to him. No, this is what it means. To be seated with him. This is what it means. You're seated with him. When God looks over at his his right hand, he sees Jesus. He's you sitting you too. This is where where you are. You're You're not sitting in the buddy car. That's right. That's right. Do you young people know what a buddy car is? Okay, all right. You're not seated in the buddy car. You're seated with him. In the same seat. The same seat. You know, it's not, it's not limited to 22 inches like these seats are. It's, it has an infinite capacity to hold every believer who's ever called on the name of God, called on the name of Jesus and believed in him. It has the capacity to hold every
every single one of them from the, the very first moment when those women who came to the tomb and saw Jesus and began to declare him from that moment until right now, until Jesus comes back, there's room in that seat for every one of them. Called out of darkness. Called into his marvelous light. Go over, go over to, to 1 Peter. And I want you to just look at the rest of what you're called into. 1 Peter 2. Hallelujah. I can find 1 Peter. There it is. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. <laughs> he chose you. You didn't choose him first. He chose you. A royal priesthood. King's kids. A holy nation. A peculiar, that is a set apart and purchased people. Purchased. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Woo! Called. Called. Hallelujah. Called. He's called us. We know this verse around here so well. Acts 26, 16. That we're to be ministers and witnesses. We've got a call, folks. We've got a call everywhere we go with every person we meet. There's a call on us. You know, he's, he's, he's given us a plan. He's, he's brought us into a place where there's purpose in our life. People say, well, I just have to know what I'm here for. I'm here. What you're here for is to be used of God. That's what you're here for. You, people get so caught up with finding my place, finding myself. What was that in the 70s and 80s? I have to find me. You, have to, you can look no further than here to find you. You should look no further than here to find you. Because in here, God will reveal to you exactly who and what you are. It's not external. It's all here. The external should flow out of what is on the inside, of the who you are on the inside. And your purpose should flow out of the inside, not from the outside. And the plan of God should flow out of you from the inside, not the outside. Hallelujah. But we're going to have to cooperate with him. If he is going to be able to complete the good work in us that he started, we're going to have to get into cooperation with him. We have to get to a place where we understand that there's a plan and there's a way and there's a path and there's direction and there's things we need to do and there's places we need to go and there's people we need to talk to and there's, and there's examples of light that we need to be. But we have to cooperate with him. Number one, to do that, first thing you have to do is bring your will in line with his will. I'm telling you what. Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Let's paraphrase that with this New Testament verse. If you be willing and obedient, the good work that he's performing in you will come to pass. It will come to pass. Philippians 2.13, love it. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, if you find yourself in a place where, you know, I'm just not interested. 
I, I really, I, you know, I just, I don't have any zeal. I don't have any passion for the things of God. I don't, I don't have, I don't have any get up and go. I mean, just, I'm just, you know, I'm just satisfied to just go, you know, go to church and just sit there and, and listen and, you know, and, and, you know, you know, I'll get something out of it. And then you see this and you go, oh, I can change my will by confessing this scripture. I can change my will. You know, I can do that. Sometimes we need a little help. We, we, we've got good intentions, but good intentions never got anybody anywhere because good intentions don't accomplish anything. But when you look at this verse and you say, now, Lord, I, I just, you know, I, I just need some, I need, I need an impact in my life of some zeal, some, some get up and go, I, 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 I need this, and right now I don't have it. But your word says that it's you who works in me both to will and to do of your good pleasure. God can recreate in you a desire to follow him and to be what you're supposed to be and take you on from there. But, you know, you, you, have, you, have, you have to kind of get that going. It's up to you to, to make that, that first step into this. And sometimes it's just a matter of getting a verse and looking at it and going, okay, the word says, for it's God that works in you. You need to personalize it at that point. It's God that works in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if you're not, you're doing some things that you shouldn't be doing and you just kind of can't seem to, to get past it. You can't quite seem to, to let go of certain things that you know you're not supposed to be doing. It is God who works in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What I'm doing right now is not his good pleasure. He doesn't want me to do these things. He doesn't want me to want to, to do these things. And so I'm putting the word on this. It's God that's at work in me, creating a new will, creating a new desire, to creating a new path for me to follow. He's helping me to, to get myself in line so that I come to a place where he's able to work that good work in me. The Amplified Version of this says, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Mm -mm. If we could just get a glimpse of what God really wants for us. If we could just get a glimpse of what he has in store. If we could just get a glimpse that all the things that we think we want, that we're attached to, are worth nothing. Are worth nothing. Then I think we would, we would see how important it is to keep our will in line with his will. You know, you say, yeah, but things have happened, things, you know, I just can't do it. You know, you can use this scripture on relationships even. You got a problem with somebody, you don't want to be around them. It could be a spouse, it could be a coworker, it could be a relative of some kind. I don't want to be around them. I'm not in love with them anymore. I've heard, boy, 
heard that before. Yeah, well, you know, if you're married, God's not, not happy about divorce. And if you've got two people who are willing to work at it, they can fall back in love. Because it's God who's at work in me to will and to do. Well, what's his will in a marriage situation? It's for you to love one another. Well, I don't want to. Well, you can change your want to. It's God who's at work in me both to will and to do. Well, I don't like my mother-in-law. Well, you, you, can li- you can learn to like her. It's God who's at work in me both to will and to do. He wants me to love her. He wants me to walk in love for her. I can't stand my boss, and I don't want to change because he's just so mean, and he's never going to change, so why should I? Because it helps you. I don't want to. Well, get this out. It's God who's at work in me. He's given me a will to want to be, to be pleasant, to be nice, to be cooperative, to walk in love toward this person who treats me badly on the job. You know, when you kind of get to the place where, where you put yourself in a, in, in, an, in a position for let God's will to start working you, it's amazing how much your attitude changes. Amazing. I, I remember Zach, you know, when he ministered a few, you know, a couple months back. You know, he, he just had... We had to change some attitudes here. We had to have an attitude adjustment. Well, part of that is you and part of that is God. You know, there are sometimes such a dramatic change in our attitudes that it couldn't possibly be all you. It had to be God. Had to be God working you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Because on your own, you couldn't have accomplished that. The situation was too bad. The relationship had gone too far south. You know, but it's repaired, it's mended, it's wonderful, it's great. But it was because God was at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, we, as we walk through life, there are things that we need to make sure that we keep in mind that we're doing his plan because there will be times when, when God will, will lead us to do certain things that are not really our preference. That's not really what we would like to do. Uh, I, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Mm-mm, no, that's not me. Totally. Number one, I don't like it. Number two, I don't want to I don't, I don't do that. I don't do it. Is that. Maybe it's out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's something you said you would never do. I have learned this. You never say never. Don't, don't, don't say never. Never say never. I'll never do The only time you really should use that word never is when you say, Father, I will never leave you. I will never stop loving you. I will never stop serving you. And then, you know, the enemy will try you to see how well your never is. But when it comes to just living out your life, when it comes to to walking in the plan of God, don't say never. Because your never might be exactly what he wants you to do. But here's the deal. If you understand that when God is taking you on a path and he's taking you in a certain direction, you will eventually learn to love it and will be so grateful that he puts you in the place that you have found yourself. I'm at a place in life where I love where I am. Forty years ago, you wouldn't have told me that. My nevers were in place. I will never do so and so. I will never, I will never, I will never. I would never marry a preacher. I didn't. I married a hippie. 
I will never marry a pastor. I didn't. He was supposedly a traveling guy. You know, all these nevers. And yet, I think God just chuckles at us sometimes. You, 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 you're going to be okay, sweetie. You're going to be okay. We'll, we'll take this little step at a time. You, you're going to be all right. And you get, to the, you get to a certain place, and you turn back, and you look, and you go, boy, was I dumb. I was so stupid. I mean, you know, if I had just stopped that, that craziness sooner, I could have been here sooner. It's like you get yourself to a stoplight, you know, and the lights turn green. I ain't going. I ain't going. No. Everybody's honking their horn at you. I ain't going. I ain't going. I'm not going to do it. You know, stubborn. I'm stubborn. Some of you are in the same boat. But see, God's willing to work with us. That stubbornness is a wonderful thing when it's used the right way. Not being stubborn against the plan of God, but being stubborn against the enemy trying to pull you out of the plan of God. That's why I appreciate strong-willed children. If you can redirect them, they are wonderful leaders. Absolutely wonderful. Because when they get it in their head... You know, that this is what the right thing is to do. You can't, you, can't, you can't get them to change their mind. See, that's all God wants. He wants to take us, and he wants to take us down a path where we're just certain that we're in the plan of God, that we're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, and just see his plan work on the inside of us. Just let him, just let him do his thing in us. Because when he's doing it in us, it's not just to bless us, but it's to bless the body. It's to bless the body of Christ. It's to, it's to bless people who need to be brought into the body of Christ. The whole thing is about, about getting people into the body. That's really what it's all about. But you know, along the way, we have to continually consecrate ourselves, just like Jesus did. You know, I believe he, he did that a lot of days. You know, he had a physical body when he was here and he was tired. And, and yet, in the middle of his fatigue, his natural fatigue, he was called upon to minister to more people. You know, we can't be so conscious of our natural state and our natural abilities not to just follow the opportunities that God put in, puts in front of us. Don't you think there were times when Jesus would like to just said, oh, you know, I just want to go lay down and rest. These people, they, they're on every side. They're, they're just needs, you know, pressing. I mean, don't you think that that would sometimes just kind of get like overwhelming? And yet he was always available. So daily, I believe he had to consecrate himself. It says he was tempted in all ways like we are. So you know when you're tempted to say, no, I'm too tired to go take care of that. I'm too tired to go talk to that person. I'm too tired to bake that person a, you know, a meal and take it to their house. I'm too tired to write that person a card. I'm too, I, don't, I don't feel like going over there and encouraging them today. Don't you think Jesus felt like that sometimes? And so daily he consecrated himself that today, Father, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Not my will, but your will be done. And ultimately led him to the place in the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweated drops of blood. The pressure was so intense to not do what was ahead of him in the next few hours. And he said, nevertheless, Father, 
not my will, but yours be done. None of us will ever be asked to do what he did. None of us will ever have to experience the pressure that was on him of whether he was going to consecrate himself to the next step or not. It may feel like it, but I'm here to tell you, you will never be at that place. You know, we, we quantify our lives, you know, according to what our, our natural things are, how we relate to things, and yet there is no way you and I can relate to the agony, the mental agony that he was put through in that garden. All the things that he, 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 had, a, he had a picture of what awaited him. And yet I don't, I don't know that Jesus, I can't say, I don't know if he knew how bad it would be when he was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why, has you, why have you forsaken me? Do you think he had a clue when he was in that garden of just how that was going to feel? I don't think he did. And yet he said, not my will, but yours, Father. Not my will. And once he went down that path, once the soldiers came to the garden, once he was taken in and the beating began and the scourging began and the blood began flowing and he began his walk to the cross with, that, with the cross hanging on his shoulders, once he began, he never turned back. He never said, no, this is too much. I don't want to do this. That's the kind of attitude you and I really need to have in this life. It's, Father, nothing you ask of me is too much. I've started down this path, and because you began a good work in me, you will complete it. I consecrate myself to do what you've asked me to do. I consecrate myself to staying in, in your plan for my life. Not my will, Father. Not what I want. Not what I like. Not what I'm comfortable with. But what, but what you want is what I'll do. My heaven says that Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? You. You. He had a picture of you in mind when he went to the cross. And so to endure what he endured, he could do it because of the joy that was before him. He kept looking at what was ahead. Not what the immediate circumstances were presenting themselves, but what was ahead. And you were what was in the future. You were the thing that kept him going. That and the fact that he had consecrated himself to God's perfect will for him. So for us, you know, we need, we need to realize that every day, just like when you're driving down the road, you're, you're driving down the road, you don't, just, you just don't hold a steering wheel like this and go down. Even though it's a straight road, you don't do that. There's always little adjustments to be made. And sometimes when, when it's time to turn, it's a big adjustment. Something comes across your path. Something runs across your path. You've know, you got to make a big adjustment. But there are adjustments nevertheless. Sometimes, like I said, they're big. Sometimes they're small. But every day, that adjustment should be in line with, Father, not my will, but yours. And we do that day by day. Sometimes people think, well, you know, I consecrated, I, I consecrated myself to the Lord when I was born again. Yeah, but some, that's not something you do just once. You get born again once, but you consecrate yourself every day. Because if you don't, you'll get off course. 
that little adjustment that needed to be made today won't get made. And so tomorrow, that little adjustment may not get made. Do you know, it, just, it, it takes an airplane just one degree off to wind up in a completely wrong city. And for us, it takes one little thing sometimes. That one little thing puts us in a direction that takes us completely off course. And so we have to get to a place where we just understand that daily we need to consecrate ourselves. What's your plan, Father, today? What's your plan? What do I need to do? Whatever your will is, that's, that's what I do. It means a close walk with him. Well, I don't know what God's talking about. Then you need to develop your relationship a little bit more. You need to come in contact with him a little bit more. You need to know him a little bit better so you can hear him. You can be led by him. It is possible. It's possible. Hallelujah. Next, bring your flesh in line with this plan. <laughs> Everybody has flesh, and everybody has flesh issues. You may not see them. You may not be aware of them. But we are all probably, if we're honest with ourselves, are very aware of the areas that we have problems in our flesh. You know, and, and for me, I always go back to this verse over in Romans chapter 7, verse 19. If the apostle Paul wrote this... He put this in there just for me to make me feel better. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. You know, he's just basically saying, all the things I know I need to do, I don't do them. And all the things I try not to do, I do them. The Amplified Version says, For I fail to practice the good deeds I desire to do, but the evil deeds that I do not desire to do, that's what I am ever doing. Anybody ever been there besides me? The Montgomery translation says, the evil which I do not intend to do, that I am ever practicing. We get up with great intentions in the mornings. I'm not going to do this today. I am going to do this. And at the end of the day, we go, oh, I didn't quite make it today. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, I keep my body under and I bring it into subjection. You know, there's an active thing going on here. I, it's, you know, you got your will. If your will is in line with his will, then the next thing you know is that it's possible then for you to keep your body under subjection. If you've got a mind to do it, if you've got a will to do it, you can do it. It's when we said, eh, it's no big deal. Willpower has gone out the door. And the enemy will always bring you opportunities to compromise what your good intention was when you left home that morning. Anybody been there? Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go... You know, he'll always bring you the opportunity. You know, it's kind of like when you're on a diet, you know, and you, you've determined that you are not going to indulge in certain things, and then maybe you go to lunch with a bunch of people. This happens to us when we're with other ministers. I'm determined. I am. I, I'm just going to avoid all this kind of stuff today. I'm not going to. And then they put it in front of you, and you go, ah. 
just, and, and, and there's somebody always there to help you. Well, just one bite wouldn't hurt you. Just one bite. That's what the devil said to Eve. Just one bite. <laughs> and when she went to Adam, he, she went, well, it's just one bite. Look what that one bite did. When you get on your scales, you might find out what just that one bite did. <laughs> Stephanie Martin fed us last Friday night. And honest to Pete, I went over there intending to be good. And I had two helpings of that fettuccine Alfredo. And then when she pulled out the beignets to, put, to, 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 to cook up, I was like, I haven't had beignets in years. I love beignets. I love them. And I ate five of them. <laughs> I thought, just one. You know, well, you know she's made all these things. and They're not really good when they're, when they're cold. I mean, you got to eat them while they're hot. And five beignets later, I'm, the next morning I'm going, why did I do that? <laughs> Thank you, Miss Stephanie. Thank you. So you're putting temptation in my path. It's horrible. But the devil will always be able to put temptation in your path. That's his job. But we're going to have to get our flesh in line with the will of God, in line with the plan of God. For us to see his good work bring to a completion in us, we have to get our will in line with his will and our flesh in line with that will. Then... Don't let failure put a stop to what God is doing in you. Everybody is going to fail. Do you understand? Everybody. There is nobody who's ever lived on this planet except Jesus who's never had occasions of failure. But just because you fail does not mean you have lost your value. I brought a couple of things up here tonight. This is a, a penny. Now, you think a penny's not worth much. And see, the enemy will tell you that you're not worth much. At your best, you're not worth much. And then when, if you took a good look at this penny, it is, it is nappy looking. I'm telling you, it is really, it's filthy, dirty. I'm not even sure where I got this. I'm not sure what I, what I, Maybe it's just in some change or something I got from somewhere. But anyway, if you were to throw that on the ground, you would stand there and look at it and go, that's a penny, but that's a nasty penny. I am not picking that up. <laughs> well, that's not how God looks at it. God looks at it as I don't care how much failure has tarnished my child, I don't care how many times they failed. I don't care how many times they've tried and didn't succeed. I don't care how many times they just didn't want to. Because, you know, sometimes our failure is intentional. And sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes it's just a result of out-and-out -out rebellion. And when we do that, it tarnishes us. Well, thank God, First John 1, 9 says that when we fail... He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as far as God's concerned, he picks up this penny and he cleans it up and it becomes nice and bright and shiny. Let me tell you, there have been times in my life when I went into a store and I needed something and I had everything I needed but one penny. 
at that point, this penny was as valuable to me as the other $14.82. I don't care how young, how old. I don't care how new you are in the things of God. I don't care how many times you failed. There's value in you. And there are times when only you can make the difference in a situation. You may consider yourself a tarnished penny, but I'm telling you what, there's a place for God to use you. That tarnished penny will be the only thing that will actually accomplish the work that he's trying to get done. Same thing is true with this dollar bill. You take it. I mean, it's already in nappy shape. You know, I found the dirtiest dollar bill I could find today. And if, you know, you saw that on the ground, you might not even recognize that it was currency of any kind. But you pick it up just like God does when we fail. He picks us back up when we recognize that we failed and just ask him to forgive us. He picks us back up and he unfolds us and he smooths us back out again. And the value that we always had, we still have. Our failure doesn't diminish us. It doesn't make us less than what he created us to be. And so you don't need to look at failure as the end of the line. You just need to look at it as an opportunity to learn. Why? So you don't repeat it. It's an opportunity to grow. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. God's not condemning you. The world will condemn you. The devil will condemn you. He, he will condemn you before God. And God can look at him and say, get out of here. That's my child. You don't talk to me about them like that. You don't talk about them at all. They're valuable. They're precious to me. And he'll send that guy packing. But you know what? You need to send him packing too. You can't let failure dominate you. It does not define you. You are not your failure. Again, you have to go back and find out who you are from this book and reestablish that you have value. And don't let yourself be taken in by the enemy saying, well, you know, you're done. It's over. He can't do anything with you. You have disqualified yourself completely, never to be used again. He'll never even look your way again. God will never try to use you to do anything. Just forget it. Just forget it. Listen, God can still use you, and he still wants to use you. When I was, you know, I have a medical background, and, and I, these nurses and all these people can, around here can tell you that physically speaking, in the brain, when certain blood vessels get stopped up by something, the body has a natural way of taking little tiny blood vessels and enlarging them to make up for the difference that that one blood vessel can't do anymore. Listen, God has got another path. If you've made such a big mistake in your life that this path seems like it's completely shut down, the road is gone, the bridge is washed out, you'll never get over to the other side, God's got a way of getting around it all. He's the great detour master. 
He can bring you back around to the place you need to be and get you back on the right course, headed the right direction. Don't underestimate what God can do in you. Don't underestimate the fact that he's still got a plan for you. He's still got a good work to complete in you. He doesn't give up. Just because you give up doesn't mean he's given up. It says he will complete it. Give him the opportunity to complete it. Don't just throw up your hands and say, well, that's that. that that's it. How many people, you know, will never have done what God wanted them to do because they just said, well, that's it. It's over. It's over. I mean, it's too late. It's never too late. Until the last breath has left your body, it is not too late. God always has a way to circumvent that, to get you around it, and to get you plugged back in, to get you on the right path, to get you going where you need to go, to get that work in you that he started complete. He's faithful. He's just. Just because we don't, we're not on the original path doesn't mean there's still not another path. You know, we... You and I all know we're around here, you know, if there's, if there's an accident on, seven, on 75, we, because we're locals, we know how to get around it. If you just get me off, an, off this thing, get me, give me an exit, I can get around this. You know, but the people who are on 75 that are from another state, they don't know the way you know. But God knows the ways. Get you, if you've gotten off before you should have gotten off, he knows a back way to get you back around to bring you back into it. There are people in the Old Testament, you know, like Abraham. He lied twice about Sarah being his wife. Did that disqualify him? No. God still used him. Moses. Moses killed an Egyptian. Moses kept saying, well, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do that. No, no, no. God got him around all of that. As he was leading the children of Israel, did he make wise choices all the time? No. God told him to do one thing. He did something else. God still used him. Then you go on, you go on through the Bible and you, you find people constantly who were terrific failures. I mean, they were class act failures. And yet God still, you look at King David, for goodness sake. I mean, my heavens, he's the leader of a nation and he is caught when the prophet comes to, to him before him and he begins telling the story about, about the rich man who came into the poor man's house and took his one little lamb, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and David's going, yeah, that man ought to be taken care of. He ought to be taken out. And that man is you. In front of a whole nation, he had to repent. And God calls him a man after his own heart. Failure is not the end of the journey. Samson got distracted by a woman. That's an age-old story. He lost the anointing that God had him, but God put it right back. When he began to look to him, he put it right back. Note Jonah. Then there's Peter in the New Testament. The man who walked on water with Jesus. The man who walked on water with Jesus. Jesus says, come, get out of the boat, come, come to me. So he, he, he's out there, he's walking on it. And then he, you know, he looks around, he gets afraid, you know, he begins to sing. Then he reaches out, you know, Jesus reached out to him. He took Jesus by the hand. They, and together they walked on the water. That's the whole thing, people, together. 
when you're sinking because of failure, you just need to reach out and grab his hand, and together you can walk on the water again. And then this man who walks on the water, you'd think he'd learn his lesson. Listen, we don't learn our lesson. I mean, we, we, we obviously don't learn all that we should from the mistakes that we make because we keep making mistakes. But here's this man who's walked on the water with Jesus who just sometime in the near future denies Jesus because he was afraid of people three times. Three times in one night. I mean, it's bad enough you do it once. You do it twice, then you do it three times. Turned it around again. He is one of the greatest people to look at to see that God will still use you. All you got to do is just, just say, Lord, I'm sorry, and just put yourself back in line with him. But, you know, we get to a place, you know, that we're, we're afraid. He, he did it out of fear. But, you know, sometimes we, we, we don't do what we ought to do for fear of failure. I happen to be that kind of person. I would rather not try something and fail at it. I'd rather not do it at all than to do it and fail. Just, no, I don't want to do that. I don't do to do that. But, you know, our fear of, our, I don't really call it like fear. I'd like to say the, the prospect of disappointing God should keep us from giving in to the fears that we have to face on the inside. You know, do we just make it right with people and then we just go on, you know, and just and let God work for us. And remember this. Don't let failure stop you. Get your flesh in line. Get your will in line with God's will. And then give God the glory for the success that you will enjoy after you've done all those things. It's not you. It's not you that's at work in you. It's God that's at work in you. It's God who is bringing to completion the good work that he started in you. You know, when we can't get to a place where we think it's all our doing, it's not, because it's him who enables us to do what we do. It's his ability, his anointing, his grace that's at work in us that gives us the ability to do what he's already asked us to do. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things. I can do all things. I, I can do all things. If you stop right there, you're in trouble. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 12.3 talks about that through the grace given to me, grace has been given to each one every one of us to walk through this life as God is doing the work in us. Don't let people give you more glory than what you should. You need to, do, to redirect it to God. When somebody says, oh, that really blessed me. Well, just praise God. Amen. You know, if, if we let people's praise of us get to us, we get a big head, and then we really start thinking it's all us. Listen, nothing that you have is exactly yours. It all comes from God. Nothing that you do is all just because of your great ability. It all comes from God. None of the characteristics that you think you were born with that come naturally to you came naturally. They were deposited in you by God. And then lastly, be patient. James 1.4 says, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, 
wanting nothing. That means mature and complete and fully developed. There is a perfect work, and I'm learning that right now in, the, in this house building process. There's a perfect work, and I keep saying, okay, yes, I want to move in next week, but I want it done right. So I, I, I'm learning to be patient. Listen, we have to be patient with ourselves and patient with the plan and not moving out ahead of God, getting out there because we just, we want to do it now. We, we, see, we see where we're going. I want to get there now. Now I'll get you a ticket, you know, on the highway. But you don't need, you don't, don't get in a hurry. There's a perfect work and you have to be patient and let that play out in your life on God's timetable. Not your timetable, God's timetable. And because you put all this together, and this is how we get to the place where we can look and say, yes, God is at work in me, both to will and to do. We, look at, we can look at back at ourselves and we can say we, that I'm confident, just like Paul did, being confident of this one thing that he, my Father God, has begun a good work in me. He has begun a good work in me. And he will complete it. He will bring it to completion in me until Jesus calls me home. Until either I, I die and my body's laid to rest, my spirit goes to until until Jesus appears in the eastern sky. And the trump of God sounds. That's when it's over. That's when the task has been complete. But until then, God, I'm putting myself in a place where my will lines up with your will. My flesh is in line with your will. My failures, when I do them, will not hinder me from going back and saying, I'm back on the path. I'm back with it. I'm going to do it. And, and I'm not going to let my, my flesh get impatient that it's not happening soon enough. Just let God work it out. There are times when I've seen in, in, in my life where I was exactly on time, exactly on time with something. And it was marvelous to behold. And then there have been other times when I've seen, like, I jumped the gun. I shouldn't have, no, that was, it, was, it was too soon. I, no, the time was wrong. And there's been times when I've just been late you know, dragging my feet. You know, so we need to get to a place where we're just not doing any of that, but we're in line with what God wants, in line with his will, consecrating ourselves daily and not letting the enemy talk to us and talk us out of things and, <clears throat> and just being ready all the time, giving God the glory. So remember this, it requires our cooperation. It requires our staying within the framework of what God has planned for us. And it requires us making corrections as needed for God to be able to look at us and say, ah, job well done. We're going to require that of us for us to be able to say, it's my God who began that good work and my God who is completing that good work. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.